Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Saladcast. Joined this week by Chris and Dan. Welcome back on the podcast, guys. How are we doing? Good, thanks, Ollie. Good to be here again. Yep, all good, Ollie. Can't complain. We've got a couple of wins to talk about, um, a surprise, a shock, um, a defeat to talk about, and a draw away at Exeter. So a few games to cover. Um, we're going to spend a bit more time on the, the Shrewsbury Town-Port Vale game. That's probably the most interesting of, of the bunch. Um, but yeah, it'd be good good podcast to get into these games. And we've got a couple of que- fan questions as well. Um, and we'll talk do a little bit of silent news at the end. So yeah, let's, let's jump into it. <laughs> The first of those games was at Oxford. Feels like quite a long time ago now. Time does seem to fly uh, when you perhaps fly when you're doing well. Um, and the town won. It was a game where basically nothing happened. Okay, it was one of those football games where you you, you know you think you're watching a Sunday league match almost. There's there's very little quality on show, um, and you wouldn't necessarily have known which team was uh, w- was doing well and which team wasn't until, of course, we scored. And we scored late on. Uh, Tom Bloxham and Ryan Bowman came on as subs and made um, a genuine impact. That's quite impressive given that Tom Bloxham couldn't really trap a bag of cement. But he was making an impact and he was all over the place. He was an all-action figure up front. He smashed the bar from outside the box. Things were happening around him, even though he he really was struggling to to, to get that first touch right. Um, But when Bowman scored... Um, everything changes when you're away from home and you go one nil up. And I never felt we were going to lose from that point in. We played our best football of the match after it. We controlled the game. And the last 15 minutes were like heaven on earth. The first 75 were, 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 were torture on steroids, you know, for everybody concerned. And it's just amazing how goals change football games, really. The highlight for me of the of the game was was basically right at the very end. Obviously, we won. That was great. Um, it, it was the, the celebrations that came afterwards. Uh, and I I went with a friend of mine from Ascot and his young lad who's seven. You know, never been to a Shrewsbury Town game before. And the fans were fantastic um, at the end, singing a, a classic Manfred Mann song, uh, "Do I Diddy," along with for, for Ryan Bowman. Everybody was involved. All of the town players came across, all dancing in front of the supporters. It was one of those moments you wouldn't have scripted. You wouldn't have known was going to happen. You didn't see it coming. Um, but it, it, it made the day one that I'll remember for a long time. Whereas certainly up until 75 minutes, there was nothing memorable about that football match at all. So it was, it was a great day, but I wasn't necessarily sure I, I saw it coming until it did. i tell you what, Dan, your description then of the first 75 minutes being pain Watching Shrewsbury Town away from home this season to me is like a Rocky Balboa fight. You know, if uh, surely most people listening to this pod have watched Rocky films. So, and that is Shrewsbury away from home. We are Rocky, allowing the opposition to punch us in the face, basically, over and over and over again. And we hold out. And then when the opposition have run out of punches to throw at us, then we hit them with that sucker punch. And we did it at Oxford and we've done it in the last pod. We covered the um, MK Dons game. That was even more of a Rocky Barboa fight because it was the 89th minute winner. But we are, yeah, that is to me Shrewsbury Town this season. We are Rocky Barboa. We t- we, we're not, we take a lot of pain, but we, we, we've been coming away with the result. And that's what happened again at Oxford, wasn't it? It was. And the only difference really was that the MK Dons goal was a defensive mistake from uh, uh, from the Dons that we capitalised on. The goal at Oxford was a, was a lovely chip from Phillips that, um, you know, you wouldn't have thought about. It. He instinctively knocked the ball over a defender's head. Ryan Bowman, who I, I do think is, is much improved over the last few weeks. And maybe that's, you know, his health has improved and, and his fitness is now really where he wants it to be. But he's definitely looking much sharper. 
Um, and he, he finished really, really nicely into the bottom corner, a nice volley. Um, so it was, yeah, that was the only real difference. It was a, it was a touch of quality that, that won us the game and there wasn't a great deal of quality on show before it. It was a game devoid of quality. That's a, that's a fair summary. Interesting on, on Bloxham. I'm interested to get what your guys' thoughts are. I'm always at, I'm always very cautious of criticising young players because I don't think it's really fair to criticise young players because I think it's a bit, can be a bit mean. Um, but he started his career so well. Obviously, Chris and Thomas obviously will have a fond memory of that goal he scored against Gillingham, uh, first goal of the season at home of overhead bicycle kick. And I wonder if that goal has given people expectations above maybe maybe what we should expect. While I think Tom Bloxham comes on and does really well, Dan, I don't think he's progressed as maybe as fast as we thought he would have done. Well, I think that's a fair comment. I th- and I think you're right, he's only 19. Although I'm a little wary of this young player syndrome. You know, Jesse Lingard was a young player for 10 years, right? And all of a sudden he's 30. You know, I, I, do, I do think that sometimes we, we, we get a bit carried away with, with, with the age factor. He's been around professional football now for two or three years, but he hasn't really played that much. He hasn't really had that many games on the bounce to make an impact. And he's also, I'm not, I'm not totally sure where his best position, I know where he thinks his best position is, and he knows more about himself than I do. But against Oxford, he was really playing up front with Bowman. And he was playing very much on the right. You know, it wasn't, but they were both in the middle. Um, and his energy made a difference. His ability to hassle people, to, to hassle defenders made a difference. Um, and and it's, he really wasn't controlling the ball particularly well. But there was something about him that made me think today is a day that something could happen. And, and he did smash the ball against the bar from outside the box, much as he... You know, as you know, he did in Gillingham in that Gillingham game where it where it went in. So, I think there's plenty of reason to keep persevering. We just need to see a little bit more game time from him before I think we'll know too much more. I don't know what you think on that one, Chris. So I far from giving up on Tom Bloxham, that's for sure. And actually, I think Steve Cottrell is far from giving up on Tom Bloxham as well, because you see uh, early on in the season, we, we don't see them in training. The manager does. And he's made a few comments that suggests that maybe Bloxham's been a bit off the pace at the start of the season. And that's why he wasn't even in the squad for some of the games. What's been noticeable for the last couple of months, at least, is he's now consistently always back on the bench again. And actually, in the last few games, he's consistently getting on the pitch as well. So this signs to me that while he's not, yeah, he's not starting many games, um, probably, you know, we thought he might have do. We thought this was going to be his big breakthrough year and that's not happened. But he's still in and around it. He's on the pitch now. And you just can't help thinking if he could just get a goal, because correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he scored this season. But so a goal comes soon. Tom Bloxham gets himself on the score sheet and he might go on a roll. He, you know, he could get the kid a bit of confidence and everything could turn around for him. And even if it doesn't, I still think, you know, who knows what come, he comes back in July. Maybe he's firing in training. He could still find himself in the starting lineup at the start of next season because he's clearly there or thereabouts. And unlike a lot of our other young players, there's not been a sniff of sending him out on loan. You know, we've got Charlie Caton out at Chester now. Jaden Bevan's just gone off to Glossop. Uh, these are lads who are, you know, if those loans go really well for them, who knows, maybe they've still got a chance. But the odds are they probably haven't got a long-term future at Shrewsbury. Tom Bloxham, I feel, does have a long-term future at Shrewsbury. And I think there's clearly a player there. He's clearly got ability. Um, I, still, I still think we'll see him play a fair few games for our club over the next few years. I hope so, anyway. And also, for the first time in quite a long time, we're going to have a... Right, OK, this, this this may not be the PC thing to say, but I suspect we're not going up, guys. I've got this feeling it might not be happening. And I was, I, we were going up last time I was speaking. I was determined to push this narrative. But back on planet Earth, I suspect we're not going up. So what we are going to have 
is a number of games where people like Tom Bloxham should play more rather than less. And I'm not in the camp of give everyone a trial. It doesn't matter whether we finish ninth or 11th. I'm not in that camp at all. But I do think for the first time in many years, we've actually got a run in here where you can do something with players like Bloxham. You can find out that little bit more. So I think we will be seeing quite a lot of him before July, Chris. Um, uh, and, and that's good. That's good on a number of different levels. Especially in his position. If we do play him as a striker, for example, it's not like anyone else is tearing it up there. So, you know, he's he's competing for that. Probably if you think Sadie's our main goal scorer in theory, off him, it's been Street, it's been Bowman. You know, both of them, Street's worked hard without scoring goals. Bowman scored a couple, but then he's gone dry again. You don't see that there's no hope for uh, Tom Bloxham of getting a shot in that position. It'd be nice for him if he played three, five games in a row. I think, and I, I agree with you, Dan. I don't think this team and this management team are the kind of team that are going to go. Yeah, we're going to kind of give appearances like out like confetti at the end of the season. I don't think that's the mentality. But I would like to see him start a few games, and I would love to have a conversation with Aaron Wilberham or the manager to understand what his best position is and what they're trying to work on. Um, that would be quite a useful insight. But um, yeah, he's definitely made an impact. Um, and I think just kind of closing off this game, it was the start of kind of the, the resurgence of Ryan Bowman. Um, who's has done well over the last few games. So, yeah, I think that's fair, a fair comment. And the Bowman resurgence, if that's what we're going to call it, it isn't just that he scored a very good goal. Him no. and Bloxham came on and made a difference. Now, we, Steve Cottrell clearly has been doing well with his substitutions. They've been making the difference. Um, but those two definitely gave us more up front. And, and that's regardless of the fact that we won the game. And that's a good sign, right? And I quite like a team and a manager where a player can get themselves back in the side. For me, it just kind of, I don't know, I just like it when you see players come in, do well and get rewarded with a star. Um, so, yeah, it's been good to see him get those starts recently. But moving on, um, next game, Port Vale at home. Big game, Chris, big game atmosphere. Another yeah, dull, boring abs- one, wasn't it? <laughs> I'd say it was anything but dull and boring. And if we're going to talk about, you know, Bowman's resurgence as well, nice little segue into the Port Vale game. In on the back of those two goals uh, at the Dons and then at Oxford, he did get brought into the starting lineup for that Port Vale game. So he was one of a few team changes for that game. Pennington uh, out for the second game in a row. Tom Flanagan, though, suspended. So he had to miss that one. That meant with those two both missing, we had a very makeshift defence. Luke Lee, he slotted into defence. Taylor Moore moved from that wing-back role into defence as well alongside Dunkley. Bowman gets his chance up front as a result of all this change. So, a uh, different-looking side there. And I'll admit, I looked at that defence and I came into the game a little bit anxious. You think to yourself, we're missing uh, we're missing key players here. You know, you take Pennington and Flanagan out of a Shrewsbury team, we haven't got that much strength in depth. So, you think, is that are we going to pay for that? And, you know, 13 minutes into that game, I was thinking, yes, we are. Because, you know, Port Vale came out at us on top and took that early lead. It was uh, Dennis Politic with a really good header, actually. It was a header off a cross from the right-hand side. A really well-taken goal is how I remember it anyway. Possibly we left him far too much space in the penalty area, but he certainly made the most of it and it was a clinical finish. And at, at that point, you know, 1-0 down, you think, oh, is this the end of our winning run? Because let's not forget, we came into this game as well, five on the bounce, looking to make it six. And 1-0 down so early, you thought it's not going to be our day. But what a response. You know, what you can say about this Shrewsbury team is they don't give up and what character they've got. 
And from the moment we went that one goal down, we fought back so so quickly, really. And you didn't have to. You, it was one of those blink and you miss it situations. So 27 minutes, we've got that all from set pieces as well, actually. So, yeah, 27 minutes, Shea Dunkley makes it 1-1. Corner from the right-hand side. And I didn't know Shea Dunkley could jump that high. You know, I, I know he's a big lad and all that, but he's, he's volleyed it in. And he must have been four or five feet off the ground when he's made contact with it. I might be slightly exaggerating, but only just. It was one hell of an effort. And then if that's not enough, you know, we're, we're minutes later, we're in the lead as well. Luke Leahy off another corner. Dunkley brought down, gets back up again, nods it across to Luke Leahy. And before you know it, we're in front. And yeah, Ollie, it was an absolutely fantastic few minutes, wasn't it? We turned the game on its head. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I, I can't let that goal go past from Dunkley. A central defender scoring a volley from a corner in the box. Yeah. We've been, we've all been to see a few games. That is not a common occurrence, Dan, and that is a fantastic bit of technical play to put the ball in the back of it from a volley from a corner. I don't think, he, I, 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 I don't think Dunkley's had enough praise for that goal. It was an amazing goal. I think if, if, we, if that had been the winner or something like that, or the only goal of the game, I think people maybe would have, I don't know, maybe taken more. Night. I don't know. Am, am I wrong? For me, it's a really special goal. Yeah, but as a signed-up member of the Defenders' Union, albeit at a slightly lower level than Shea Dunkley, defenders are often misunderstood in the box. People assume you're big clodhoppers, but they can play this game. Now, now Dunkley was quite good on Twitter. He is good on Twitter, if folks don't follow him. He's good value. He, he comes up with stuff that I think is good and funny. But he was saying that, you know, he, he, he does think that he's a better footballer than people give him credit for. And he didn't say that, but he sort of inferred it. So, so sure, it was a, it was a super goal. But um, I, I do think some of these boys have got rather more about them than, than people give him credit for. Flanagan's another one. Flanagan can play. Yeah. He's a football player. No, we've, we've definitely got um, a, a step up in quality in terms of the players in the team, um, which just gives you a link to what you're saying earlier on, Dan. You know, we're not going to go up this year, but in terms of building for the future, um, be interested to see what we can do in the summer. Um, but yeah, it was 2 1 at this point, Chris. And yeah, two decent goals from set pieces. Two from set pieces, yeah. And at this stage, Port Vale are completely and utterly rattled, aren't they? And, you know, I'd been worried about our defence, but crikey, that Port Vale defence was all over the place. They had no idea what was going on. And before you knew it, just before half time, we added the third as well. So 43 minutes, another set piece into the penalty area. And Port Vale had multiple opportunities to clear this, completely and utterly made a total hash of it. Ball ends up coming into the feet of Killian Phillips about 10 yards out. And he was making no mistake, buries it in the bottom corner. Fantastic celebration. That's my memory of that goal. Killian Phillips, for a lone player coming to us from Crystal Palace, plays with so much passion. And I know that, you know, that's his first senior goal in professional football. So it is a big moment for him. But he looks like he cares, doesn't he? And you could certainly see that care at that moment when he celebrated that goal. Dan, you've seen um, Shrewsbury Town quite a bit on the road in, in the last few weeks. Do you, can you see um, can you see Phillips playing in League One next year, or do you think he'll he'll be end up playing the Championship next season? No, I think he'll be in the Championship. I think he's he's one of a succession of midfielders that we've had over the years who um, have come into our side into League One, done really well, and then make that next step up to the Championship the next season. Starts with people like well, then start with, but Ben Godfrey's a great example of um, someone who then you know played in the Championship, then played in the top flight, um, and I, I fully expect Killian Phillips to be doing to be doing the same thing. I'd be absolutely amazed if he's in League One next year. Now, he's, he's still developing. Um, he's, he's still going to be learning his game, but um, everything about him says that, uh, um, you know, says that he's got something going forward. As an aside, Ollie, which, uh, here at Huff Towers, we were watching, you know, Brentford versus Crystal Palace. And I asked one of my boys, who's your favourite, you know, Crystal Palace player? He's always oh, Killian Phillips. 
Uh, and I thought it was quite good because we were watching Brentford with Crystal Palace. So his mind was very much still on Killian Phillips as opposed to the 11 Crystal Palace players on the field. But he's made an impact. He's made an impact with, with, with people around the club. And I think you can't ask for anything more from a lone player. But I'd be amazed if anyone in League One sees him in the, you know, 23-24. If he is in League One, it's going to be playing for Ipswich Town or something if they've messed up. You know, he's going to be at one of the very biggest clubs, but I'd be surprised if he's not in the championship. You know, in, in the, we saw Tyrese Fauna go to Reading. Now, Tyrese Fauna did really well for us. To me, Phillips is another step on again in terms of how far along he is in his career. He looks a, a stronger player. So if Tyrese Fauna is good enough for Reading, and clearly he is because he's playing for them week in, week out. And I know then, some Reading fans, Chris. Obviously, yeah. it's, it's sort of our hood here in Berkshire. They're very, they're not unhappy with him. They're unhappy with yeah. lots of things, but Fauna's done all right. Then. Yeah, yeah. So I think interesting. They're very different footballers. I think yeah. you can look a bit, probably a bit more technically um, superior playing a deep line play raking role with a bit of time on the ball. Um, I thought Fona really impressed, but yeah, Phillips um, is is a very good player, and yeah, it's your mentality will get you a long way. Uh, and I think yeah, he's definitely a, a, an interesting player and one I'm sure we'll enjoy following his his career. Um, Good for yeah, us that we can attract players like him, you know, that Steve Cottrell, give him his due. And there was a lot of competition. Like I, I, I know um, clubs, other clubs in League One were after him. Um, and yeah, we managed to get him. So, um, so that was a, a good piece of business. So, yeah, anyway, we're on the Port Vale game and that's Phillips making it 3-1. And at half time, having gone 1-0 down so early, we feel like we're coasting, don't we? It feels like the three points are almost in the bag. And Chris, how do you think we were going to get? Well, I was about to say the conversation, I was literally about to say that, Dan, the conversation around me in my area at half time was this lot can't defend. We could get five, six, seven today. And obviously, you know, we've just won five in a row. The confidence is sky high. Why not? We scored five against Cambridge and you're sitting there thinking we're going to put this lot to the sword. There's more goals here for us. And at the start of the second half, to be fair, we came out and we were pushing them again. And actually, the goal that did turn it into a bit more of a jittery game came from a Shrewsbury corner. So we're powering forward, looking for the fourth. We win ourselves a corner and we've just scored from three corners in the first half. So we're all sitting there thinking on the edge of our seats, waiting for number four. What happens this time is they broke and they broke fast and fair play to them. They broke and destroyed us. So politics gets the ball on the edge of the area, scampers forward to the halfway line. He finds Massey. Massey into Proctor. Do you remember him on loan at Shrewsbury? He'd come on at half time for Vale and it was the old, old boy curse again. He smacks it in. Good finish. You know, you can't fault the goal. If that had been scored by us, we'd have been thrilled. Everybody loves a good counter-attacking goal from the opposition's attack. And suddenly it's 3-2 and Port Vale probably didn't deserve at that point to be within one of us, but they were. And it set it up for an incredibly uh, exciting last 35, 40 minutes of this match. And it was actually a thriller, really. I mean, for the rest of that game, you never, neither side came that close to adding to the score sheet, but it was just edgy your seat stuff. I had my son sitting next to me and he kept turning to me saying, I don't think I can take this. It's too much. It's too much. I don't think my heart can take it. And the thing is, that's, you know, he's a seven-year-old and he's being dramatic. But I think most of the adults around me were feeling pretty much the same because it was it was an edgier seat game. And when we finally got the final whistle, I mean, the, the, the outbreak of emotion in the crowd that day, we've just won six in a row. You've won this big, tense, exciting game. And you could feel it in the stands and you could see it on the pitch. The celebrations in front of us from the players, they were going nuts. They came over to the West Stand first for a change as well, which normally they do. They go over to the safe standing or they do it around, the, the, understandably, around the tunnel on the other side of the pitch. But they were over in front of us. And then Steve Cottrell came over as well. He was right in front of Block 17 and he was giving that celebration he does, getting the crowd to roar as he punches the air three times in a row and it was uh it was just great everything about it was exciting and 
I don't know what you guys thought. I, I think I, I'm assuming at least you, Wally, probably saw if you weren't. I know you weren't there for reasons, but you probably saw the game on telly. You watched it. Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, it my had unfortunately, that derby feel. That's what I felt, and I don't know if that came across on telly. I don't see Port Vale as a proper local derby, if I'm honest, as a fan. But it did have that feel in the stadium. Eight and a half thousand fans. Their fans loud as hell. At, certainly at the start, until we crushed them with those three goals. But they, they, there was an atmosphere in the place, and it was exciting to be a part of. Yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't go. My wife wasn't very well, so I was on, um, yeah, looking after my son. And yeah, I, it was a game. I was, I'll be honest, I was gutted. I couldn't go because, yeah, good chance to beat um, a local rival. I don't think we have any derbies. We haven't any biggest, bigger, big rivalries enough to call them derbies. But yeah, it's a, um, a, a going to be a, a good away following. It was a good away following. You could feel the atmosphere, and you could sense the atmosphere um, on. I'm watching the game and yeah, when especially when you go when you go behind and come back against uh, you know a team with a bit a large away following, um, it does make for a good atmosphere and that definitely came across. Yeah, I wasn't there either. I was um, playing in the esteemed West London Vets League on on that particular day, but obviously following from afar. So I didn't see um, I didn't see any of the game live at all. But I did hear Chris. I'd like to get your take on this. That great that the day sounds like it was proper football day that everyone should enjoy. Didn't start very well, did it? The minute silence was not a high point. Yeah, I had that down as a talking point, actually. I mean, that's where you get a game, a game like this and it bubbles over. So at the start of the game, there's a minute silence to mark the earthquake in Turkey, in Turkey and Syria, pay tribute to the to the people who've died in that, which is obviously horrific. And since that game, it's just got worse. Uh, Christian Atsu has been in the news over the last couple of days, found dead, really sad news, the ex-Newcastle player. Awful thing. And yeah, the all we were asked to do is stand up and be quiet for 60 seconds and just, you know, take a moment to reflect on some, on, on some, on a big world event. Apparently that's too much for a few morons. And sadly it's, you know, there, I saw comments about this idiots from Port Vale and there were some idiots from Port Vale. I'm going to be honest. There were some idiots in, in the Shrewsbury end as well. Uh, it, it, it was, I sit in block 17, it's two blocks to the left of me and it's some people in block 19 and they do a lot to create atmosphere in the game during the games, but there were a few people in there who disgraced themselves and disgraced our club, frankly, in that minute silence. Cause it, it's not, there were shouts going across between the two and it was just, it was awful. And, you just hear it so much because the rest of the ground was observing it perfectly and it, it was ugly and I was embarrassed. And I, I, my son was looking at me shocked. He, he didn't understand what was going on. He didn't understand why anyone would do that. And I like the innocence of a child like that because why would anybody do that? It's just appalling behaviour. Highly unlikely anybody who's that moronic is bothering to listen to the podcast, um, which is always <laughs> a shame because if they are listening, you've got to get a grip of your life. You know, it, it's 60 seconds when you're required to say nothing. It's not a particularly big challenge. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully aware that making those comments, there may be people listening to this who are sitting over that side who are going to say that I'm being holier than thou and want to criticise me for it. All I'd say to that is bring it on. I'll defend my position yeah. to, the, to the end. <laughs> so that's there, an interesting it's argument for them to behavior. make, isn't it? On the end of this game, um, obviously every game you have a man of the match. I saw that like Bowman was getting shouts for man of the match. If a central defender scores a volley from a corner and makes an assist and plays um, absolute of a gem of a stalwart at the back for me only Dunkley um, can be man of the match do you guys do you guys dare disagree so I'll give you I'll say there were three players for me in this game who stood out and deserved to be in that conversation and Dunkley's one of them and obviously as you say a centre-back scoring a wonder goal and assist is fantastic and he got in all of the teams of the week and everything you could make the counter argument that he's a centre-back and his team's conceded two goals so his primary job the defence has been breached twice but I don't think either of those goals were Shea Dunkley's fault. He was terrific, so he's in the mix. Ryan Bowman did play really well that day. He led the line, held the ball up. No, he didn't score, but he was a big part of the way we 
played in that game. The other player for me who I never felt got enough credit for his performance, especially in the second half when Port Vale did put us under more pressure, was Tom Bayliss. I thought Tom Bayliss was exceptional in that second half. He was the one player too often, and we saw this at Accrington this weekend as well, when Shrewsbury were trying to clear the ball, they pump it long and it just comes straight back at you because it's going straight It's going straight up to the opposition who just start off another attack. What Tom Bayliss did in this Port Vale game is he was using a bit of nouse, he was looking up, and if there wasn't a pass to be made, he was willing to run with the ball. And his ball carrying was exceptional at times in that second half. He was relieving pressure just by taking the play 40 yards up the pitch. And Sometimes he would then set up another attack, even if he got tackled. More often than not, we've we've had time to regroup, reset ourselves. And it really, I felt, helped us to see that game out. So for me, you know, people think of Bayliss as a flair player and everything he brings to us as an attacking force. But I think his the way he plays really helped us to see that game out as well at Port Vale. So for me, he'd be in the mix. Those would be my top three, Dunkley, Bayliss and Bowman. I would say Bayliss is our best player. I think he's really, really pushed on. I think if any of the players in our squad who I think would play in the championship, I think it would be Bayless. Um, it sounds, I think he's really come on. I think his work rate has been excellent. Um, I think he does a lot of work that sometimes goes unnoticed. Um, and yeah, I'm not, I'm, I was surprised to see him not start actually um, on the weekend um, against Accrington Stanley. But I think um, he works well with Shipley, doesn't he? They, they've yeah. got a bit of history together at a higher level. And of course, Shipley's not playing in, in what I think he would feel is his conventional position. So it would be interesting to see if we could get them two playing a bit closer together because there have been a little sort of sparks of light there where those two really do look like that they can produce something over and beyond what we're used to in League One. Yeah. And Bayless, you know, saying he's championship standard or could be championship standard. I absolutely agree. And obviously he's had a shot at that. He had his move to Preston. Didn't work out for him. But you have to remember, he's still only, well, we signed him at 23. I'm not sure if he's had his birthday, but he's either 23, 24. He's massively got time on his side. A good year or two here. And he's absolutely going to get another crack at that level. Yeah. Yep. No, I totally agree with that. Um, any final comments um, on this on this one? Tendence is pretty good, Chris. Yeah, 8,502 through the door, which is our, by far our best of the season. And yeah, like I said, that, that played its part in the atmosphere. And it, it was great. It's lovely to see the away end full. You know, I, I'd rather they behaved a bit better than the, some of those Vale fans did before the start of the game. But it is good it, when, you, when you're playing these big clubs and you've got the big crowd in the other end and the Shrewsbury fans are up for it. And it's, it's just nice to see. You want to see our ground nearer to full more often than it is. So... You know, at the end, we've got some big clubs to come towards the end of the season. And, you know, who knows if by if we have managed to pick up a few more wins and there's still even a, a minor chance of the playoffs, you're going to see some big crowds in April. And that's that, that could be exciting. So, you know, fingers crossed there's more of that. I'll be more positive. I mean, Saturday's game against Wickham is an interesting one. Wickham are playing really well. They're flying. They won't bring thousands and thousands. But if we can get a result against Wickham, then my scepticism about which division we'll be in next year will we'll, we'll be put on hold for a little bit because that, that will be a statement victory and there's no reason why we can't do that not our favorite opponents statistically no, not our favorite but, opponents and, and they've won six games in a row as well but um, we beat them at their but, place when everyone told yeah. me we were going to lose so. yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah i totally totally agree and um, wickham are a very tough side a team that we've struggled against in recent years you go to that game a lot and the way game i'm sure Trip but, wickham, which statistically it's an awful one but yeah but this is the type of season we're still close you those trends yeah, if if Wick if just to just to kind of make the point, if Barnsley don't win and we do win, uh, we'll be four points from the playoffs, with only with thirty what um thirty three yeah. games played. 
We'll keep quiet about left. how many games Barnsley would have left, though. Yeah, Barn- Barnsley had played two two less games than us. But as you know, it's a funny old game. Who knows what can happen? Yeah, but they've they've got the points on the board and the games. You know, it's a big ask, isn't Chris, it? Stop it. No need for that. No need for <laughs> Sorry, that. Sorry, Dan. I'm being <laughs> the negative one. Yeah. Well, I really, I want to believe. Anyway, I want to believe, about... but yeah. So we got the talk about a victory here, and then we got a draw and a defeat, and to talk about next. So. The Exeter game, um, we're going to run through these guys, these two a bit faster. Um, it was a game, a funny old game, a game, as, as Dan said earlier on the pod, about Shrewsbury Town and your analogy, Chris, about Rocky. I'd say this was an interesting one. This was almost like a, a boxing match where, yes, Exeter were punching, to throwing lots of punches, but they weren't really landing. And it was a game that we controlled without having possession. Um, it was interesting. I was, I was chatting to a, an Exeter fan, and he was saying, "Oh yeah, we dominate the game and all this kind of stuff." And you know, you were lucky and all this kind of stuff. I was like, "Really?" Like it was—I don't know—maybe a bit of a naive view. I thought, uh, "Yes, they had sixty-four percent possession, but we had the best chances of the game. We had the best chance of the whole game, and I think overall we had the best chances as well." Um, and I thought. Yeah, Would it have been a smash chance. and grab if we'd won? Rhetorical question. <laughs> well, not if we'd scored um, in the first half when Bayliss yeah. had that chance. Right, can, so I, can really I defend Bayliss on this one? Right, It's a hard chance. Well, he should have scored. He should yeah, have scored. he should have scored. But what a touch to get him in a position where he should have scored because he he, he glided past the defender as if he wasn't there. And, and I thought that was a, an instinctive bit of skill that you know we don't often see from Shrewsbury Town attackers. Admit he should have scored, no doubt about that. But I thought, wow, if he'd scuffed it, yeah, if he'd, if he'd it, mishit it, it, if he'd mishit it or toe poked it or yeah, just sliced it, it would have gone in the back of the net. He was that close. He hit I did it feel so the goal well. was coming as well, Ollie. I did yeah. feel that much as they were having quite a bit of the ball, the longer the game went on, I thought that we're, we're gonna we're gonna nick it. That may be just because we've done it in previous games, but but I, I don't think the performance was was at all problematic. I thought that we we ultimately. You know, respect the point, right? That's that's the that's the cliche. But I think it's one of those games where I'm not unhappy with nil nil. But I do think if either side deserved to win, it was probably us because our chances were better. Yeah, Especially no, first half. That yes. first half, you know, possession. I think at half time was sixty two thirty eight or something, as I remember it. And but if if any side deserved to be ahead at half time, it was us, and probably by more than one. We could have been two up at half time. Second half was more even. Maybe even Exeter shaded it. But across the whole game, I would say that we deserved. Yeah, if anybody was going to win that game, it was us. Yeah, it was from an XG point of view. It was like point one to us, and uh, sorry, one to us, and then point four to them. So yeah, more than double XG for us, obviously, because that Bayless chance. So yeah, unfortunate. Um, it would have been a nice one. I really did like the club's response to the two hundred and four legends that went to the away game, um, and the nice video from Luke Lee. I thought that was a nice touch. As a a really nice connection between the fans um, and the players um, at the moment, which which is really good to see. That's, that's spot on it helps when you're winning but at the same time you know there's now quite a bit of capital in the bank because yeah. the, the club have done quite a bit right over the last two you know last month or so with with all of that so yeah i mean from off the back of that of course that's the end of our winning run we're now we've now found ourselves having won six and drawn one so now we're talking about our unbeaten run aren't we instead we let's let's find the positives okay we're not it's not seven on the bounce but it's still six on the bounce and a draw not bad and we went off to Accrington Stanley this weekend thinking, let's get back to winning ways and make it seven wins and a draw from eight. And I think a lot of us thought that was probably on the cards. You think Accrington Stanley, 22nd in League One, can hardly buy a win on their own patch. They, you know, they got stuffed by Wickham last Tuesday. And we're thinking, let's go there and give them another seeing two. And 
go away with the three points. And unfortunately, that wasn't what happened. And you know, I made the journey for this one, along with, you know, never mind the 200 heroes at Exeter. That's a long way on a Tuesday. Accrington on a Saturday, a bit closer, and there were 800 odd of us there. And it was, a, it was a good atmosphere in the away end before the game. And we're all up on, you know, we're all up for it. You could feel people believed. Sadly, what was produced in front of us, though, uh, Ollie, Dan, just wasn't great. I don't, I don't know what you guys saw of the game, but we never looked at the races from the start. It was a, there was a howling wind that wasn't helping, but I'm still I was still a little bit surprised by what we produced. I was quite shocked how poor we were. We it was one of those games where we just couldn't do anything right. Um, our defenders and midfielders couldn't find our strikers. Our strikers couldn't keep hold of the ball. Um, we were very 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 poor and given how well we'd been playing this year it was a, a really real big surprise i don't think we really threatened them at all in the first half um i think we had we had one shot in in the first half um against a, a very very poor um stanley side and yeah coming to the game i thought we were going to get back to winning ways and yeah keep the unbeaten run going um but it was a a very very poor first half second half was better um, made um, two changes at half time, which is quite rare. Um, so um, Tom Bayless came on for Winchester, and Ricky Pike came on for Bennett. We changed formation, uh, went four four two, and I thought that helped us a lot, Chris. I thought we were, I thought we were much improved in the second half, but the base level that I'm saying we were much improved from was a, a low. So we, I think we dominated the second half. Taking Winchester off an interesting call. What do you make of that one, Chris? Because he's been a consistent performer. Was that was that something you expected to see? Or what, what did you think when, when you I saw that he, that was happening? I think we needed something creative. And one thing, you, you talked earlier about Steve Cottrell's substitutions. He has shown a willingness to be bold recently. And I did wonder if at half time we'd been that flat, whether he'd make changes. I wasn't necessarily expecting to. But yeah, I, it, it was crying out for a Tom Bayless. It was crying out for us to do something that little bit different. So I think whether Winchester was just the victim of the fact that somebody had to come off, uh, I, I don't know. But I, I didn't have a problem with it myself because we'd been so flat first half. I was just desperate for something. What I would say as well is we came out at the start of the second half. The rain had started again. It was lashing down. The wind was all, you know, it was, and it was practically raining up horizontally because the wind was quite strong at that point. And it was in our favour now. It was in our faces in the first half. So now it was in our backs. And you, at the start of the second half, it did look like that was going to change the game. And you're thinking, oh, maybe we weren't as bad as it looked and it is the weather and we're now going to batter them. And in the first five or 10 minutes of that second half, that is what I thought was going to happen. You know, Reckiel Pike rattled the crossbar and we had a few other scrambles and you just thought, yeah, this is, this is going to be all right. But what, while we continued to dominate possession and even territory, I felt that the urgency, the impetus slipped away again myself. I, I didn't think it was a lot better. And certainly from 60, 60 65 minutes onwards, it, I never felt to me like we were going to get anything out of that. It just, it just went flat for me. And I was, I was really frustrated watching it. The weather improved. That didn't help either. The rain stopped, the wind dropped. And I thought our advantage seemed to disappear. And yeah, I, I thought they did what we've done to a few sides this season. You know, the, yes, we had a lot of the ball. We never looked like scoring and they held us out relatively comfortably. They also, you know, they, they used the dark arts, frankly, just like we've done several times this season, possibly more than we even do. I mean, they were rolling all over the place and they were going. Sean Wally was his usual. Sean Wally did everything we've seen him do in a Shrewsbury shirt so many times over the last seven, eight years. He was falling over left, right and centre. And the ref was calling on the trainer for for everything. So they knew how to kill the game. But 
a lot of our fans were getting cross about that. I couldn't get worked up to that that much, much as it's annoying. I, I, you know, I've watched my own team do it too many times this season. I'd have felt like a hypocrite getting too wound up. But yeah, I don't know what you thought, Ollie. Well, I, I think we were much improved in the second half because we were so abysmal in the first half. And we had one shot in the first half. We had 11 in the second half. Um, Ricky or Pike could have got two, which would have been fantastic for him. He was some couple of good saves. And then obviously uh, the death as well. There was a couple of set-piece goals and that header from Leahy in the extra time. I thought it had been very, very sweet for us to get an equaliser in extra time, considering how much shithouser in time-wasting um, Stanley did. Um, Coleman is a big fan of the dark arts, so that would have been quite sweet. Um, but yeah, you know, in the end, at the end of the day, it's it's one of those games where, yeah, you know, you win some, you lose some kind of thing. And yeah, we didn't, we weren't great. Um, and yeah, you could maybe say Stanley deserved it because um, the goal they scored was was a good one and it was a really good piece, a really good attacking bit of play. Dan, two things that I, I take away from this, Ollie. The first one is that Sean Morley played in a team last year that was nowhere near eighth in League One, uh, and he's played us twice this year, and we've been bloody awful in both games. And yet, so he must be saying, well, what's going on here? How, how, are these, how are these guys flying so high in the table when I've seen them twice and, and, and they were pretty poor, which would be a fair question to ask. More seriously, I think that we've been good enough over the past month or so to write this game off as one of those ones that you just should never talk about again. You know, it's not a heinous crime against humanity type game, but we just, we've just we done enough to be able to say, forget that. It's Wickham on Saturday. Let's move on to that. Now, if if this becomes a more regular occurrence, then, of course, you can't carry on doing that. But we've done enough, in my mind, to, um, you know, to, 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 to have earned a, a really shocking performance because we haven't had one for, for, you know, the best part of eight games. Yeah, if I can say one final thing on Accrington Stanley as well, despite how much the the game was awful for us. I actually hope they stay up as well. That's something else I want to say for Accrington Stanley. This was a proper, proper football away day. It was really unusual in this day and age to be able to drive to the ground, park right next to it, for free if you want you can park on the street right outside the away end it's utter nuts there's loads of space an hour and a half before kickoff it's one of the cheapest games in league one to get into they've built this new bar over the summer it's called coley's bar in tribute to john coleman they allow the away fans in and it's just fantastic in there screens everywhere nice big bar really bright airy space with a view across the pitch terrific place it just felt like going to a proper football ground again i really enjoyed it the open terrace i felt a bit sorry for our fans getting battered by the rain but I've got, I can see Mr. Hoff's going to disagree with me strongly here. The people listening to this can't see us like we can. And I can see Dan shaking his head at me. So I'll no. find out why, Dan. Yeah. Um, no, if you like non-league football, Chris, you can go and watch Telford every week. You know, I mean, it's a non-league round. And, and that away end is, I don't want to spend too much time on that away end. Um, I take the point about free parking, but also if you want that, then, then you know, League One football is not normally where you're going to find it. So it, for me, the Akron story is very impressive. I've had enough of it now. You know, I, I really don't want to go there again. And I, I think John Coleman's all right. We didn't half moan. Uh, and so <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know for John Coleman as well. Uh, as the truth I, I do. I'm old school. Yeah, Dan. Coleman, proper Coleman's a proper winch bag. And it's, yeah, it's, I've got no real care whether we're happy to stand there and need one or not. It's a good, it's a nice story for, you know, for, you know, versus, I don't know, your Wrexhams and your Salfords with all their money and stuff like that. Like it's, it's quite warm heart in some ways. But um, yeah, they, their their pitch is terrible. I think a, a lot. I gave up in the end. I think the ball went out at the ground about eight times. Um, so yeah, it's it's is a little bit of nostalgia and all that. But um, yeah, the bar's nice and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I don't really give a shit. And also, there are too many yeah. ground. There are too many clubs up there. Accrington, yeah. Fleetwood, Morecambe. Get rid of one of them. 
you know, <laughs> I, I think that, like, can it be the other two, Dan? Surely you've got to want to get rid of Fleetwood and Morkin before you get rid of Accrington. I'd rather get rid of Fleetwood before Stanley, I'll give you that. Well, they've got more money, so well, Morkin. They've got more money, but they've got that really annoying horn. Uh, <laughs> By the way, we could have Blackpool next year as well, so it could, it could yeah. get even worse. No, I mean, it's only a semi-serious comment, Chris, not a serious one, but I, I have had enough of Accrington. The, the story's worn a bit thin, and that away end, it's like the old Oldham away end with the wind coming off the Pennines. Or, or Macclesfield. I remember being or at Macclesfield, Macclesfield and it rained on a Tuesday night or Friday night. Or and very few people thing. there, which is also the same as what would happen at Macclesfield. Yeah. Anyway. Well, agree to disagree. We will. Anyway. Um, well, I can't see Accrington on my um, league table because I've only cut it from one, one to ten. Um, and they're, on it. they're not on it. Um, so, Juju Tarry, I like that, Ollie. Uh, that's, that's smooth. After this game. So only the top ten necessary these days, right? I That's love all it. we need. It makes it makes it very quick when you're cutting and doing the pod prep. Um, so yeah, so we are eighth and um, forty eight points after thirty two games. Um, yes, fantastic season so far. Uh, I think everyone's very much enjoying it. And positive goal difference as well. Um, that's nice to note. Yeah, we are um, we are five points behind Wickham. We are eight points behind Barnsley in the playoff place. Um, but we're ahead of Portsmouth by six points and ahead of Peterborough as well. So ahead of a few teams. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a it's been a good um a good season so far. Fingers crossed that you can continue. Um and we've got a question um from from Tom Griff. And he says, Where is everyone actually expecting us to finish now? And what would be what would you be happy with? So I think the top seven have got too much. That's my honest answer. I really hope I'd love to see us in there, but the gap at the minute. The gap to the playoffs is eight points and those teams have got games in hand as well. It just feels to me like it's too much. So do I think we're going to make the playoffs? No, I don't. But what you look at now is you've t- you talked about the six-point gap to Portsmouth there in 10th. And that's a that's a bit of a cushion. And that gap grows to 11th and 12th. So a top-half finish now suddenly looks really achievable. And for Shrewsbury Town to get a top-half finish in League One, you know, we... We talk so many times about the Paul Hurst season, but take that out of the equation. The last time, apart from that, that Shrewsbury Town finished in the top half of this division was in the 1989-90 season. So you're going back over 30 years. So this is something that does not happen very often. And we are there now with a real serious shot of that. And do I think that's achievable? Absolutely, I do. Despite the tough games to come in April, you know, we seem to rise to those games. Now, I, we, we're going to lose one or two, a few of them. I'm sure we are. But I suspect we'll surprise one or two of those teams as well. And I think we'll do enough to hold on now to a top 12 place. And if, if we finish this season in 10th, for example, I think that'd be fantastic. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with that, Chris. I, I'd sort of rephrase it. I'd say anywhere in the top half. And I, I'm genuinely happy with it. You know, obviously, you'd rather be ninth and eleventh because you just always rather be higher rather than lower. But I, th- I think, given what we had last season, it is a real improvement. We've—I mean, I hate this word. It's one of those on vogue words that everybody talks. We have an identity, um, and it's everybody apparently wants to have one of those. Um, but we do. And playing against some of these better sides does fit with the way we want to play football. We don't care if we have thirty-five percent possession, and that's going to happen against a lot of these sides. And, and, and so they're. I don't think we're destined to lose six on the bounce in April. There you go. I've said it. Okay, that could come back to bite me on the bum. But I do think we will pick up some points against sides who are notionally better than we are because it suits the way we play the game. So where do I think we'll finish? I think we'll finish in the top half. I think we might be nearer to 12th than 8th. But um, but I'd be really quite disappointed if we're, if we're lower than 12th. 
top oh, half for me would be fantastic. Um, that would be a, and I think that would be just rewards as well for the players as well, so they can look back on this and and also to uh, as a as a mark of the progression we're making uh, under the manager as well, Chris. And I suspect it's important for the manager as he looks to next season because you know, he is a planner. He's, I'm sure he's already thinking about who does he want in the next transfer window, which of our current players does he want to keep and all that kind of stuff. That's going on in his head now. And if he's got a team that's just finished 10th, 11th, he's going out there saying to people, we're a top half league one side, add a bit of quality. If I get you and a couple more that I'm looking at, why, we're a realistic shot at the playoffs next season. It's absolutely going to help us, I'm sure, bring in whoever whoever's next if we've got that stronger base to build from. Whereas if we slipped down and found ourselves 14th, 15th, it's just, oh, there's Shrewsbury Town again, lower mid, lower league one team. So I think, yeah, I think it matters. And that, that's a nice link into a question from um, Michael Pugh. Um, and his question is, is our league position about right for where we are as a club? Which I think is quite an interesting phrase, question. Um, and then, and also in terms of the progression. So Michael links to the progression under Steve Cottrell, um, which is important, Dan. Yeah, I think it's a good question. And there's clearly not one definitive answer to it. But I remember a decade or so ago talking to some good friends of mine who are Brentford fans. And, and they said, yeah, she's been Brentford. We're both League One clubs. That's where we are. And look, <laughs> look where that's gone. Um, so, so, um, so I, I think I think we are a League One club. If I'm being brutally honest, I think we're a thirteenth to eighteenth League One club. I don't think we should be thinking about you know surviving every year. We're a bit better than that, but I don't really know what that means. What does a bit better than that actually mean in practice? But for me, over the last thirty years, I think we should be um, you know we should be more or less where we are now. Or well, this is a at the, at the top end of the spread. However. It is worth noting that I said last 30 years, not last 40, because as I guess I've mentioned about a million times before, but the first 10 years of my Shrewsbury Town watching career, we were a mid-table championship club. And that was absolutely the norm for, for, for the young kids watching on the Riverside. So it took me about a decade to realise we weren't a championship club, actually. But um, that penny has finally dropped. And, and I think we're more or less where, um, where we should be. Chris, are you with me or not? I'm with you, and I'd say, I'd actually, again, I'm, I'm going to give Steve Cotterell a lot of credit. I think right now where we actually are, we're outperforming where we are as a club, because I agree with you that we're a 13th to 18th-ish League One club. Yeah, we're a League One club that will stay up most years, have the odd bad year and get relegated, and then expect to do well in League Two. And that's what we have been for a lot of the last few years. And right now, we're slightly outperforming that, even though, unless I'm reading it wrong, I don't think our budget's dramatically changed. I don't think we're spending hugely a vast amounts of money more on our squad than we have historically. So that says to me that we're, get, that we're outperforming where we are as a club. And that, that's great. That's what you want to see as fans. You want, you want a manager and a playing and a coaching staff and, a, and people running the club who know how to squeeze every last bit of quality out of the money that they've got at their disposal. And but, it but feels like we're in doing a realistic that. manner. Or, or from what yeah. we can tell, we don't know that every nook and cranny of the club's accounts, but we get yeah. the feeling that we're doing this in the right way, right? I would say so. You know, if you just look at attendances, our attendances are the 17th biggest in the division. It's quite an easy one, isn't it? Just to say in terms of income and 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 kind of fans coming through the gates. So yeah, if you're above that, obviously 16th, 15th is is neither neither here or there. But yeah, to be eighth, we're definitely overperforming. Kind of not where we are as a club because I think we are a mid-table League One club. Um, you know, we've got a nice little setup. We've got a, you know we've got a good training ground. We've got a good manager. And to to Michael's point about progression under the manager, 
that's all you want to see as a football fan, isn't it, really? You know, if you support, I don't know, Real Madrid or Barcelona or something like that, you're in a different sphere. But for us as a Shrewsbury Town fan, you know, does a, should a manager be sacked or whatever? If you're making progression, a manager should always get to keep his job. Um, and for me, I think that's the really exciting bit is, you know, Steve Cotter come in when we were in a relegation fight, we survived. Last season, you know, the summer and remember everyone getting really, I was getting really annoyed because we didn't sign enough players and all that kind of stuff. And and now you look at it back with, you know, hindsight and you think, oh yeah, you know, look at the squad now, it gets even better. And then you think, and we'll talk about this in, in a few months time, a couple of players that maybe are not quite league one level and their, their contracts are going to go, which means we can then sign to new players and hopefully we can progress on again. And then maybe next season can be really exciting. Um, but yeah, great question from Michael there. I don't know if you guys any any further comments to add. I, th- I think it's always quite interesting to know where people think we should be. I think that's an interesting yeah. question. because and, and a lot of it will be shaped on your experiences as a fan. And, and mine, because I'm an old git, you know, are a bit longer than most. But um, but yeah, I, I think I think that question is one that I'd like to hear other fans' opinions of. So if they want to get in touch with, with you, Ollie, I guess it would be via Twitter. Yeah. What, what, what is our normal habitat? Where would they normally expect us to be? Because um, I bet there'd be a bit of difference. Well, the interesting question would be, you know, where do you expect us to be? But where do you expect us to be next season? Um, and that, I think, is, you know, the sign of uh, Steve Cottrell. While he has his flaws, um, he's doing a great job as a Shooter Town football manager at the moment. So, yeah, thanks for the question, guys. Um, so we're going to uh, move on to top threes very, 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 very quickly. Um, so top threes, um, I went for this period. I went for Dunkley. I just can't get that goal out of my head. But, yeah, fantastic performance in Dunkley over the last few games. I then went for Leahy and Phillips. Um, Chris, who did you go for? Yeah, I went for Leahy as well I, I as my number one, actually. I thought that he had um, a really good spell here. Not so good at Accrington on Saturday, if I'm honest. I thought he was slightly disappointing. But then he was one of, you know, eight or nine at least, who I thought was slightly disappointing in that game. In the, th- in the three previous games, he was excellent and obviously won the Player of the Month award as well, which was fantastic. So I had him first. I've got Morosi as my second one. I thought a few a few strong performances from him as a keeper over this period and we've talked about how we've had to defend and work hard for some of those games and he's made some key saves that have contributed to us picking up wins in those games so key one for me and then I've gone for Taylor Moore who he was missing unfortunately injured at Accrington but in the three previous games I think he's continued his recent strong form I think he's been a key part of our side in uh, recent weeks and months and I hope he's back soon because I I actually thought we missed him at Yeah I find this part of the pod the most difficult and I spend more time thinking about this particular section than anything else (laughs) we talk about and I do actually try and think about some of these things before but um so I find it really hard um I went for Bowman because Bowman's come back in he's had um not just the 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 Midas touch in terms of putting the ball in the net at exactly the right time but I think he's looked a lot better he's looked a lot sharper and I do wonder if it's physical because of course he had a tough time with his ticker not so long ago um but whatever it is I I I like what I'm seeing with Bowman so I, I went for him um, as Chris had just said, Lee was player of the month, right? So, um, it, so, so he, he's clearly had a good time of it. And and I, I went for him second and I went for Morosi third. Now the Morosi ones, it, I don't think Morosi's done anything wrong at all, but I also think he gets a bit of stick for his kicking, right? And I think one of us, I can't remember who it was, said that if his kicking was good, he'd be a championship goalkeeper. And that's as a thesis that I, I get it. I think most people say that. Yeah, but I definitely agree with that. Yep. And, and I'm not, I'm not going full on against it, but I was watching him at Oxford. I don't know why it occurred to me, but he, he was plonking the ball on a sixpence at Oxford. I don't know if anyone else even noticed, but time and time again, he'd be putting it in exactly the place where you could tell he wanted it. And I, I thought that was the type of thing that goes a bit unnoticed. And um, I, I just thought it was it was either he's, he's improving or either he was a bit unlucky before. Whatever the reason, is, 
his kicking was a bit better in that was a lot better in that game than it had been in previous games. So alongside the fact he didn't really do anything wrong um, anywhere else in in the four game period, I went for him as my number three. Um, so yeah, moving on now. So we're going to do a bit of silent news now. We're just going to talk a little bit about season tickets, and then we can talk um, a little bit about the fixtures ahead. <laughs> Shrewsbury Town announced quite early. I'm not sure if a cynic in me says maybe Shrewsbury Town win five, six games in a row. The club decides to announce season ticket sales for next season um, and an increase in prices as well. I did find it quite hilarious. Maybe hilarious is the wrong word. I did find it quite amusing that um, the Shropshire star, who seemed to be very, very pally with the club these days, said um, it was a slight increase. Well, if 8% is slight... Uh, God knows what they're getting the increase in the Shropshire Star. They're getting like 50% or something because, yeah, 8% isn't a slight um, increase in anything. So, yeah, season tickets are going up again two years in a row. Um, still, I think, good value for money, to be honest. Um, and also match day prices have gone up £2. Um, so two years in a row now, £30 a time, though it would be unfair of us not to mention that the season ticket prices didn't go up for quite a while. Um, and were flat um, for quite a period of time. But there was one thing that did kind of spot me, this kind of, I did kind of spot, which was a bit of a surprise to me, is now that the free entry for under 12 has ended, Chris, which I thought was a bit of a surprise. And I don't know, it seems, you know, we, we don't fill the stadium. It seems a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of an own goal there. Yeah, I can see this one from both sides, Ollie. Uh, it's it's one of those awkward ones. I understand that these are tough financial times, and they're only asking for fifteen pounds for an for an under thirteens now season ticket. They've also moved the age group up a year for some reason, so it's a uh, fifteen pounds for under thirteens. And as somebody who's got a son who comes with me in that age bracket, you know, it's going to cost me an extra fifteen quid. So it's not a huge sum of money, but to me, it's it feels a shame because I think how many kids do we get through the door? So how much money is that going to make for us and it's not going to be that much i wouldn't have thought if even if we had 500 season ticket holders in this age bracket you're talking about seven and a half grand which in terms of shrewsbury town isn't a heart isn't a huge amount of money and they've now lost something which was a unique selling point for this club there was not many people out there doing that we were the club that was really finding the, the fans of tomorrow and saying come in free so I coach a team called Bash Church Juniors with my son's under eight team. And I was talking to one of the other coaches from that club. He comes to Shrewsbury Games. He's not a season ticket holder, but he buys tickets for most home games. And he'll buy a couple of adult tickets and he gets three or four kids tickets as well. He was telling me that's what he always does. And, he's, and he, then he rounds up kids from his team who wants to come and he brings them down the meadow and he sits in the West Stand and I often see him and he'll be at the front with him and his mate with three or four kids lined up between them. And he was saying, you know, he does that because those tickets don't cost him anything. So if he can't find the kids that week, it's no, it's no loss to him. It makes no difference. Whereas now, if he was going to do the same thing, he's going to have to commit money to it. And it just means he's potentially less likely to do that. So is the club losing out on money? Absolutely. Well, not in ticket sales because they were free. But those kids were sat there with a burger in hand or reading a programme and they were getting excited about being a Shrewsbury Town fan. And there's just there's going to be a little bit less of that, I suspect. And financially, will it make a difference? Not a huge one. But I just worry about what it might mean for five, ten years time, because there, there, there are a large number of young kids now who support Shrewsbury Town and a large number of teenagers as well. You see the people in the South Stand flapping their flags around. A lot of those are lads 15, 16, 17 years old. I'm going to guess some of them came into the club over the last six, seven years. 
as those free ticket entries and then they've progressed into being paying customers as they got older so for me it's a shame i'm not going to lambast the club for it because i understand it's difficult economic times and i don't see the spreadsheets they've got in front of them that they're making their decisions on but it just feels a shame to me i don't know what you think dan as also a parent who's got a couple of kids who comes with him yeah i mean it's not going to affect whether i get my two seven-year-olds season tickets i will but it's 30 quid you know it it feels like an odd amount of money to be playing, and and to stress, it's not really the Chris Hudson's and the Dan Huffs that they're looking at. We're, we're you know we're going to keep going, right? But there will be marginal fans who may think about it for whatever reason, and I'm not sure this is the the, the way that I'd want them to be thinking about it. And this might sound perverse, right? But I don't understand the number fifteen, right? If it was twenty two, then I uh, twenty two, twenty three. So we're twenty three on games, I mean. Um, if it was 23, I could get it. We're charging you one pound a game. It's 23 pound. But 15, it, it does feel arbitrary. It just feels like, a, it may not be, but I can't work out what that 15 is for. So if it was a pound a game at 23 pound, then I, I would find that easier to make sense of. And I'd still pay 46 quid for my, for my twins. So I, I think the PR of it, and you're a PR man, Chris, the PR of it's been poor. Explain to me why 15 is the number that you've picked, because I don't really get it. In terms of the 8%, well, you know, that they could argue, not that I've heard them make it, but the club could argue that, you know, inflation is high and actually, you know, it's going up with the rate of inflation or, or a bit under the rate of inflation at the moment. But they haven't even made that argument, right? It, it's just going up. Um, and it's almost certainly, Ollie, th- to do with the fact that we're on a crest of a wave and we've been winning a few games. That's why they, this is all happening a bit earlier. So I don't want to be too cynical about it all. But um, and, and as I say, will I pay it? Well, yeah, sure I will. But I do think the PR around it has been um, a bit patchy, if I'm being honest. And I'm not going to knock the individuals involved, but I think you could have sold it a little bit better to people who want it to be sold to them. And that's the three people on this podcast, right? I think the timing's clever. I think in introducing it a month early because we've just won five, six games in a row. Why not? I think that's that's clever totally, business. Yeah, they they want people that. in the ground yeah. for next season. I have no issue with that whatsoever. It's not always a month, just to correct that. Because I looked, I was a geek and looked at, because I couldn't know how to do it. I looked at when I brought my season tickets. I used to buy it on the dailies to come out. So if, I think about two, three years ago, they did it two weeks later. So it was a bit two weeks earlier than some other previous years. Oh, that's but not yeah, too bad. Then. That's interesting. Because I wasn't, I thought it was always quite a bit later. No, it was. So yeah, I, I went, um, went back and looked at my own history and my purchases and I did buy it like, I don't know, two weeks later than what they're doing now. So, so it has been this kind of early before, but yeah, in, as to Chris's point, you know, it's a sensible time, but yeah, I think that, yeah, the 12 things a bit silly. You guys have covered. I'm sorry, Chris, for jumping in, but yeah. I was just going to say, interesting, you know, Dan was saying their explanation around that, that the, the approach has been to just not mention it, hasn't it? It was just in there as there's the price. There's not been a word said about this is why we've made this change and this is why they've just, that's been skirted over. It's been for people like us to spot it and comment on it. There's not been a word said either way. I, I presume that's deliberate. They're just going to, they're just going to ignore the fact, but the razzmatazz that was made when we announced the free under 12s, it just, it just seems a shame to me. It was, I thought it was a lovely thing that spoke well to us as a club that this is what Shrewsbury Town was all about and this is what matters to our club and you know that these are our values and just yeah it's just i I feel sad about it from that sense it's not the money you know like as as you said that it's 15 quid like obviously i can afford that as a season ticket that's not an issue it's just yeah it's just what it says about us it just feels a bit of a shame yeah it does seem a bit of a shame and so yeah i've been serious about that 23 quid to me sounds way more logical you're charging a, someone a pound a game, which no one can seriously say a pound a game is a bad deal. And at no. least it makes a bit of sense to me. It just seems a little, it's really, you're right. 15 quid just seems like an afterthought. And it's, oh, we'll just, 
we can't get these we're not gonna let these kids come in anymore give make make them pay 15 quid seems a bit scrooge like but um yeah it seems a bit odd uh, very odd um so yeah um we'll close that section there and just kind of looking ahead of the fixtures of the next few weeks as we guys have been talking about the fixtures do get march is an interesting month so we've got one game in february left against wickham at home and then we've got derby county away peterborough away on a tuesday then we've got Morecambe at home, Ipswich away and Bristol Rovers. So there's a few interesting games in there. I really hope we beat Bristol Rovers. Um, I'd love to see them lose um, whenever I see them lose because of their manager and the way they handle themselves. But there's a few interesting ties there, guys. Um, Dan, what's, what's your thoughts? Are you going to any of these games? Maybe Ipswich? Um, Ipswich, yeah, it's possible. Derby's... Um, yeah, I want to go to Derby. Just got the Saturday morning kickoff times through for the under seven, so I can get there. Yes, it's, we've got an early kickoff, so you know, me and the kids will be there. Um, there's a couple of grounds I like going to. I mean, I've not been to Pride Park, so that's an extra one. I'll, I'll go there to see us play. I've not seen us play a league fixture there. Um, Ipswich is, is is a good place to watch football. So, um, looking forward to those. Their fixtures I was looking for when the fixtures came out last summer. So, th- there's a few few standouts there. Um, I'm also really really intrigued as to as to how the next month goes. Because I think it could well be that we win a few, lose a few, draw a few. And I think in the great scheme of things, that that's fine. That's fine. Um, I, I just hope that the season doesn't start to drift and that we start to slip away a little bit. I don't think it will. But um, there is that danger when you, you, you know, you're all but safe. And, you know, I'm a 50 points man. I know that there was people online saying it's 40, 47 is going to be the number this year. And, of course, we've already got more than that. But, uh, you know, let, let's get into the mid-50s and, and start and start really trying to make sure that we cement our place in the top half of the table. And these fixtures are a challenge to do that, but it's not an insurmountable one. There's been a lot of talk about the April fixtures, but just listening to those March fixtures coming out from Ollie then, there's some tough games as well, aren't there? You know, your Ipswich, Derby, these are you know, Wickham. These are big games coming up. They're not going to be easy, you know. I was listening to that straight away. You're looking at that Morecambe game, thinking, OK, we've got to win that one. Yeah. And then Bristol Rovers, yeah, they've been in terrible form recently. Let's hope that keeps going. And then we've got to win that one. And then all the others, you think anything we get out of them almost feels like a bonus. And I need to get out of that mentality, maybe. I need to remind myself we're eighth in League One. So they might be looking at us thinking that's a tough game. But yeah, that's, that, that's my mentality. We, we had an early sending off at Ipswich uh, and that, that completely ruined the game. So it, let, let's go in with the mentality that we've had, which has been to be, you know, pretty stable. Ipswich could be quite funny when we go there. It could be quite toxic. You know, the, the Oxford game was toxic. Um, They're drawing and, a yeah, lot of games, Ipswich? Yeah, the, the, they, they spent the amount of money they spent is 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 absolutely ridiculous to be in the position they are in the league. I'm sure they spent more money um, on, on transfer fees than the whole division put together, plus God knows how much they're spending on wages. And it's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, we signed one player in January and they signed, what, I don't know, about a million. And you look at the the harnaming of our squad, look at the, how well we're playing. Um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, you can rock the boat a little bit too much. So, yeah, that is it. Switch one could be quite funny. Let's, let's we love nothing more. We're going to about that one, shall we? I don't even know the names of all his players. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm nothing more than a Shrewsbury Town, I don't know, 19% possession and a smash and grab. These are exciting places to go to, aren't they, as well? You know, these are the games that everyone's been looking for on the fixture list Portman Road and Pride Park, the, you know, big grounds that. If, if these you teams get promoted away in the league at Derby, I think the last time we did it must have been in the mid eighties, right? And I, I, did, I would, didn't go to those games. So I've been to Pride Park actually, but not to watch Shrewsbury Town. Me too. So yeah, I've been I, there a few times, but yeah. never. To I had a period as. A, as you know, as a sports reporter, and I got to cover a few England games, and it was in that period when Wembley was being built and England were being taken around the country, and I saw England play at Pride Park. I think that I went to see Brazil versus Ukraine at Pride Park. 
I can't even remember who I, I, I saw a few in that period. I went to Spurs' old ground, White Hart Lane. I saw us at Newcastle United. So I, they blur in my head. I, all I remember about Pride Park, I loved the ground. It was brilliant. It was great atmosphere. I remember the England fans were embarrassing. They were in the concourses singing these songs about 10 German bombers in the IRA songs. And it was it was pretty um, it was pretty ugly, to be honest. That, that, was, that, that was an eye-opener for me because I hadn't been to that many England games until this period. And it was, uh, so I didn't like that. I also remember we talked about the ease of getting out of Accrington. I remember being sat in a car park after that Derby game for two hours, just not moving. It was, I don't know what was going on, but we could not get out of this car park. There were just people sat on the bonnets of their cars, just waiting. And it was just hell. And I remember, so I hope if I do go to Derby this time, it's, they've, they've found a way to improve that situation because it was no fun. That's what we give bring on this podcast. Um, parking food, at Derby um, County. Parking and yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, was that, uh, I was at that game at uh, Pride Park where England played. I can't remember who we were playing either. Um, I want to say I, Mexico. I, was... I know I saw us play Mexico, but that could have been Spurs. I can't remember. I saw us play somebody at Pride Park. I saw Holland. It might have been that one. I'm pretty sure Spurs Holland was Holland, Spurs, actually. Spurs was Holland. I was at yeah. that one too. I was collecting points yeah. to, to get, get tickets so I could oh. watch England in the in the finals. That was Holland we lost. We were following each other around, Dan, and we can't even remember. Didn't we, even even, we didn't even know. <laughs> Old AJ. So <laughs> thanks, guys, for, um, for, for joining me this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks again. And, um, yeah, we'll be back again soon. Um, thank, cheers, Chris. Cheers, Dan, for joining me on the podcast this week. Pleasure as always. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers, Ollie.